Welcome to the Hashtag Call to Scene podcast, the show focused on the strategic disruption of the status quo in technical organizations, communities, and events. Hello, everyone. Welcome to today's episode of the Hashtag Call to Scene podcast. My guest today is Erin Brooke. Their pronouns are she, her. Erin, would you please introduce yourself to the audience? Uh, yeah. Hi, I'm Erin Brooke, um, and I'm a storyteller. I'm particularly interested in media, people, culture, and communication, and I talk about ADHD quite a bit. So that's me. All right. So we start the show as always. Why is it important to cause a scene, and how are you causing a scene? You know, I love these two questions. I was uh, listening to the podcast a bit, and I was like, that is such an interesting way to start. Um I think it's important to cause a scene because scenes are really the only way that you disrupt the sort of normal flow of things. Um, without without a scene, without someone speaking up or saying something, everything just kind of continues to go the way it's been going. And I tend to cause scenes, and it's a bit of a weird thing. This is not how I would think that I cause scenes, but it seems like I cause scenes by like slowing things down and going really deep into one spot or one uh, specific topic at a time. That answer sounds so weird, but yeah, it's like, let's all take a pause and let's go <laughs> really deep on this. All right. No, it's, it's um, okay. Because I wrote down slowing down. And even as I was writing it, I was writing it really slowly because that's something that many in, in our society, do not do. We don't, we just speed through. We don't look deeply at things. We make decisions based on instant something. <laughs> I don't even know the word I'm looking for. It's beyond what, when I was in my early 20s and we were talking about the men, people that were coming behind us with, you know, the microwave society, it's beyond that at this point. It is, microwaves even take too long. Um, <laughs> and, it, and and uh, and I've seen your engagement on Twitter. So one of the re real things I want to bring on is I want to start bringing on guests who can talk about some of the societal challenges that are prevalent in tech. And so this is why I tell people I love the tech space because we are a microcosm of the macrocosm. We have everything in tech and we have everything in 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 numbers larger than mm -hmm. what people consider the quote unquote normal population. And so the fact that you I don't know how you start popping up in my timeline, <laughs> but I liked the fact that you methodically break it down. I love people who can do that because, again, everyone is so see something rush to judgment. And I've done it. I can admit that I've, I've done it. I don't do it as much as many people because what I do is, um, when I do that, it's usually some gut thing. I mean, some like I'm having an emotional reaction to something. And I'm like, yeah! Mm -hmm. um, but if it's about understanding, which is railing is not about, it's not about me trying to be understood. It's me just saying what the fuck I need to say so I can get it out of my system. Mm -hmm. But if I want to be understand be understood or I want to understand something, I dig into threads. Mm -hmm. I start going like 
okay, somebody quote retweeted that. Somebody quote tweeted that. Somebody, and I go deep down. And so by the time I'm talking, I, I decide to highlight something. I have done some work here. I've, I've looked at different yeah. perspectives and opinions, and I love how you, your threads do that. I, I, I don't think I've ever seen, do you ever do like one tweet or are they all threads? <laughs> It's like it's like one tweet when it's a one-off joke kind of moment, but uh, not for like serious stuff. That's always it. Always ends up being a thread. It very rarely does. Very rarely do I start with the intention to create a thread. Um, mm-hmm. Normally, it's like the first tweet is like that's my reactive. I needed yes. to say this, get it out, and then I'm sitting there and I'm like, no, wait, hang on. There's, <laughs> there's more, but there's more. Yeah. <laughs> Yeah. And then people start responding. I'm like, no, that's not what I was saying. I meant this. All right. I see that we need to go real. All right. I'm going to keep just keep digging until I've basically I'm like, now I think I've covered every single base that someone could have some sort of reaction about. Also, because because I have a, a larger following, um, I kind of have to plan for like when it starts to move out beyond that following mm-hmm. and what those responses are going to be. So so my threads have gotten longer with time as the the reactions and the audience have like grown and shifted i have to start navigating all that and And that's what people don't people don't think about that there's a you have to have a strategy you can't just be out here willy-nilly on twitter (laughs) no no there's things that like i used to be able to talk about on twitter and i'm now like "Mm, nope nope not a exactly uh, there's too too many people might hear this now so can't uh can't do that now (laughs) yeah um and so one of the like i said one of the main reasons i wanted you to come on here and everyone knows we can talk about a whole bunch of things, but I was a special ed um, certified teacher. And so I really want to start deep diving deeply. So that was K mm-hmm. through 12. What I'm finding fascinating is how many adults in tech are now being diagnosed with ADHD. Yep. And what's that like to be an adult who has been gaslit most of your goddamn life? Yeah. <laughs> And now you're like, oh no, there's there's a diagnosis for this. There's a reason. Yeah. Yes. Yes. So let's just start wherever you want to start on that because I know there's so many individuals in in this community who, and this is again, let's disclaimer, we're not diagnosing anybody. We're not Erin is telling her story. And that's all that matters. That's I believe in people that telling their lived experience. And I've never had this conversation on the show. So and I wanted to start having this conversation because I personally see so much. And this may come off as cavalier, but it's not so much manufactured anxiety in our community. Hmm. That just everyday life is has its anxieties, you know, there you know, you don't know you um you're mm-hmm. driving there's anxieties all these there's just so many other manufacturer anxieties um just when we when we do this show this show will be in march but we just came out of um um valentine's day and if that mm-hmm. is not a manufactured anxiety for people <laughs> oh my word and 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 there's there's already enough i don't even know the word cuz because uh, this is where I'm struggling because I don't even know the word for it because uh, they're mental health issues. Mm-hmm. But I don't know if that word even encompasses what I'm seeing in our communities. Mm. Sure. So let's just start a conversation <laughs> about Aaron's experience and, and we'll go from there. Right. Um, so I was diagnosed at 23, which was... 
which was 10 years ago this fall, this coming fall. Um, and I didn't actually go looking for an ADHD diagnosis at all. I was, uh, at the time I was an actor and I uh, was getting into some more on-camera work. And I don't know, you can't see in the video really, but you see I have these these shoulders, these lovely uh, Irish shoulders from like generations of sheep farming, I assume. Um, <laughs> and uh, so I always looked really like broad on camera. And one of the things that I was uh, getting a lot of feedback about was about weight loss. And it was basically like, yeah, if you could just like lose a couple pounds, you know, I was, uh, my, my teacher had told me that, uh, he was like, in real life, you're perfect. But on camera, you're like halfway between being Lara Croft or being like the chubby best friend. And so you got to pick which one you want to be. And I was like, well, who wants, who, who doesn't want to be Lara Croft? Um, and I started trying to lose weight and uh, failing at it quite spectacularly, despite having like a nutritionist and a personal trainer and doing all of that kind of stuff. And I eventually went to a doctor to be like, what's going on with my body? And um, he was a specialist in this, but he had also worked with children with ADHD for a long time and had come to find that in adults who couldn't lose weight, the reasons were often either uh, some sort of like either you had some sort of digestive problem or a sleep problem or a, a mood disorder or something like that. So he was a lot more holistic in his approach mm -hmm. than, uh, than one would actually expect a traditional doctor to be. Mm -hmm. You know, you kind of expect someone to just take your, your BMI and mm -hmm. do that. And, uh, yeah, a few weeks into seeing him, you know, he had my thyroid tested. He mm -hmm. sent me to a sleep clinic and, uh, he was like, and you know you have ADHD, right? <laughs> and I was like, excuse you, what? Um, and, you know, cried for like a few days because at that point, all I knew about ADHD um, was that it was something that the annoying kids in class were diagnosed with. Um, I had no idea what it was other than the sort of stories that we as a society tell about ADHD. Mm -hmm. I, I knew the the, the joke version of what ADHD was. Um, and like many people had that picture of a little hyperactive little white boy running around the room and like throwing stuff at people. Um, I didn't even know adults could have it, mm -hmm. frankly. Um, and so of course, now knowing what I know about ADHD, I uh, became very hyper-focused on what it was and uh, what the research was, what different people were saying about it and the sort of trajectory of it. It's not, it's actually, uh, it's not just in tech that a lot of people right now are getting diagnosed as adults. It's happening all over because it's only fairly recently that it's been even acknowledged that ADHD is a lifelong condition and not just a childhood um, developmental <laughs> disorder. Mm -hmm. Um, it, uh, because I can tell you that's no, nothing in my K through 12 as a certified special needs. Did we talk about what, what it was like for these people when they matriculate, when they graduated high school? No, nowhere did we talk about that. No, it was, it was just, it was just to get them to K through 12. That's, that's it. Absolutely. And the systems that we have and the systems that we have now are systems that were built on that idea of ADHD being a childhood disorder. So even now, if you go into university and say you want to get accommodations 
for an ADHD diagnosis, mm-hmm. um, many universities will require you to go and get uh, a new diagnosis and get reassessed. Mm. Even if your diagnosis is like less than three years old, that's what happened at my university. Mm-hmm. When I went in as a mature student and they said, uh, yeah, if you were diagnosed in childhood or more than three years ago, you have to go get re-diagnosed. And I was like, but I was diagnosed five years ago at 23. And they were like, yeah, no, that doesn't count. I was like, what? Uh, Okay, so, yeah, exactly. So I'm (laughs) going to stop you right there. And I want you to tell us, what is ADHD? Uh, ADHD stands for Attention Deficit Hyperactive Disorder. And the name is somewhat misleading. Um, ADHD is a neurobiological developmental disorder. And it basically just means that different your brain doesn't develop at the same rate as other people. Different parts of the brain are affected by it, and those parts do not develop at the same rate as your peers. At the same time, brains are like really malleable and like somewhat magical things that where if one part of the brain isn't functioning the way it should, another part of the brain can start to take over some of those um, tasks, some of that to-do list for that part of the brain. And so we have, there's, brain scans going back to the early 90s showing that like ADHD brains are different and they're different in these areas. Um, And also when you start to do those scans again across multiple people with the diagnosis, you see different areas pop up. Some are overlapping, but some people are affected in different places and in different ways. So is it, so it sounds like as the research matures, as the research matured on autism, which now requires a spectrum, there's a spectrum when it relates to ADHD. Yes. Um, symptoms can be, you know, mild to severe. Um, and so let's talk about symptoms. What is it? Because we, we're acting as no one knows anything. What are mild symptoms of ADHD <laughs> and what are severe symptoms of ADHD? Hmm. Um, okay. So maybe, maybe presentations is and the and first. We're, and we're going to talk about from your experience. Again, everybody... This is from Aaron's experience. Okay. Yes. <laughs> okay. Uh, so presentations is probably the first place to start. There's um, ADHD hyperactive type, there's ADHD inattentive type, and then there's ADHD combination type, which is hyperactive and inattentive together. Uh, hyperactive is very much in the vein of that picture that we all have of the like little boy running around the room. Um, inattentive type is more of that picture of like the daydreamy looking out the window kind of person and combination type is just both. So imagine daydreaming, looking out the window and also like shaking your leg all of the time. (laughs) Um, it affects, some people like to define it as attention regulation. So it's not so much that you have a deficit of attention, but you may have difficulty with sort of assigning attention to different things at different times, depending on what is piquing your interest at the moment. Um, It can show up in so many ways. There's uh, memory retention, short-term memory issues. There's uh, executive functioning is a really big one. Um, And then there's just sort of like impulsivity, um, emotional regulation, 
social behaviors it and and different ones show up for different people in different amounts it's really wild it's ADHD different from ADD um not so here's a funny thing not exactly the fact that we have two different names for it is actually uh it's part of like those social stories that we tell ourselves it's just that ADHD used to be called ADD with or without hyperactivity <laughs> and uh it hasn't been ADD since about the early 90s in North America um but it's one of those things that linguistically has just sort of carried on. And so I have discussions with people all the time who will say, you know, oh, uh, I, I don't have ADHD. I have ADD. And I'm like, no, they're all the, they're all the same thing. And mm-hmm. it's, it's always been one thing mm-hmm. with either with or without hyperactivity. It's never been two separate diagnoses. And so the, in all honesty, when you started talking about this, <laughs> I saw so much myself. <laughs> <laughs> It's like, ooh, this explains so much. Um, mm-hmm. I, I think I am not, again, the spectrum part. And that's where, that's why I asked about the ADD diagnosis. Because, yeah, when we had students, they were um, ADHD. Um, and we also, I also had autistic students. With, so there was a whole nother thing that's, that's mm-hmm. going on there. Mm-hmm. Um um, well, I had some autistic students. And, and so it's interesting um, because I can definitely see when, when I see some of your, I guess they would con- be considered benign tweets about how do you stay organized? How do you do this? What platforms, what tools are you using? Mm-hmm. And I'm just like, if I have not, and so I, I, I know it was one thread that you were doing and people were recommending to-do lists. If I had not, when I went into my um, app store, had already downloaded all of them and tried them out and none of them worked, I was right. like, oh my. <laughs> mm-hmm. I'm like, wait a minute, this seems too familiar to me. Mm-hmm. I've tried every last one of these things and there's always one little thing that does not work. And you're like, yeah. Uh. <laughs> yep, absolutely. And um, even the things so, that do work, you know, you find yourself using it for two or three weeks and then all of a sudden yep. you forget to open it one day oh, and then it's like a year later and you're yes. like, what is this thing for? <laughs> my combine flow. Oh my God, that works so well for me. But just to remember <laughs> to do it, to open that thing up and to move the, t- it's like, uh-huh, what? Yeah. Yeah. Yep. One, one thing I really want to, oh, mm, which is interesting to me is... And you've said it twice, so everybody knows that I'm going to... Is it that the default for ADHD is the little white boy? Yes. (sighs) Which means that when little black kids have ADHD, there's something different. There's something wrong with them. (laughs) They do not get treated in the same ways that because the default is a little white boy who you expect to be throwing shit around um, is. They they don't. They really don't. Um, Statistically, I... God, I forget the numbers. Um, but statistically, there's a whole bunch of research on this. And yes, uh, basically you put a little white boy and a little black boy, both of whom have ADHD, both of whom are behaving the same way into a room. Uh, that little black boy gets sent generally for like correctional behavior 
His 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 diagnosis is going to be ED, EBD, which is um um emotional behavior emotional disorder. Behavior it will disorder. not be that's what it is. Yeah. It will not be ADHD. ADHD no. it will not be ADHD. It will be emotionally de- um defined disorder or uh, and and I've had several students because I I love being in high school where I particularly remember one one young lady and also they don't reevaluate them no. as well. So if they come in. With a, they're getting, um, uh, the little white boy in kindergarten gets the ADHD evaluation all through K through 12. He, his, his, um, 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 can't even think of the thing, the paperwork, the, oh, the um, IEP, IED? yes, yeah, IEP, um, IED. educational, yeah. and um, IED is something else. Don't, <laughs> don't give those to little white boys. Yes. <laughs> I'm just saying they're they're kind of dangerous right now. Don't don't, don't give do them the little white boys. Do okay, all right. Right. Woo, that was a good yeah. one. Okay, so um, educational something program, um, individual education program. That's what that stands for. Their individual education pro, um, program is focused on ADHD. So everything we're talking about in their differentiated instructions, the kind of um, uh, interventions we do for them is about managing their attention mm-hmm. the little black boy or black girl mm-hmm. um is exhibiting the same behavior but now they have an ebd which is as i said that that is um that is um a behavior disorder a defiant behavior disorder and, and not mm-hmm. only that it's not just a behavior oh, it's a defiant behavior disorder <sighs> and so now they're tracked from k through 12 as a behavioral problem instead of a attention or developmental problem. So mm-hmm. those are totally, I mean, I literally remember having one student and this is why I liked high school. She was on my um, dance team and um, she would just burst. I mean, just have these bursts. And her answer was always, I'm EBD. And I was like, okay, bitch, let's, let's be on. Let me, let me tell you what this is. Your ass just have not learned how to control your emotions because you've been able to, because once you get that diagnosis, you're done. They don't, they just, you know, ain't nobody trying to help you. You just out here. And I was like, you have one more year to get out of school. We, you're not going out of here with this EBD. That's not what's happening. Because she had not been reevaluated since she got mm-hmm. it in elementary school. Because mm-hmm. they don't reevaluate. All they do is take what it is. And, well, they do reevaluate every three years. I mean, let me correct that. But it's if you're they're reevaluating the little white boy on ADHD and the black kids on EBD. So they're what they're evaluating is to see if they remain in that space, not to see if the original diagnosis was incorrect. Right. And she it became a it became a battle for us until uh, up until graduation when she finally realized there is nothing wrong with me. Mm-hmm. I just never. Because she got this diagnosis, her parents, everybody, they was just like, okay, because again, um, black parents have problems with the school system. They mm-hmm. didn't question and all this. So it it took myself and, and the people around me and her peers were like, nope, we're not do- you're not doing that. Nope, uh-uh, we're not accepting that. Nope, not a- for her to learn skills that mm-hmm. she should have learned earlier yep. to manage her behavior. And now she's a mother. <laughs> you know, it's like this... That that stigma of being EBD versus ADHD is huge. It is. And I mean, it's also something that you see applied 
um, to not so much in this actual school system, not so much from the teachers or, or the administrators, but more like in society. There's a still a, quite a few people who think that ADHD is itself a, a parenting problem, right? Mm-hmm. And that stigma most definitely is also applied to black people at a far greater rate than it is applied to white people. Um, you know, even if even if it were behavioral problems for both, say, the little white boy and the little black boy, you would still see more sympathy for white parents than you would see for black parents. Everyone in the hashtag called the scene community shares the same common beliefs based on a set of four specific guiding principles. One, tech is not neutral, nor is it apolitical. Two, intention without strategy is chaos. Three, Lack of inclusion is a risk and increasingly a crisis management issue. And lastly, but most importantly, four, we must prioritize the most vulnerable. To find out more about the guiding principles and adding them to your Twitter profile banner, please visit hashtag causeascene.com. more sympathy for white parents than you would see for black parents. When I do my case. talks, I, I, I give this, I usually do this as a little, so people can see what I'm talking about. And it's particularly if there are black people in the audience, I love to do this. I say, um, so we're at a restaurant. What are little white kids, what are, what are black kids doing at a restaurant? And, and and the black people are just like, mm, you know, like I'm like, no, no, speak up, go. What are black people, what are black young people doing? Uh, they're either they're at the table with their parents. They're either on a device or something, but they're sitting at the table. What mm-hmm. are white kids doing? And everybody will run in the fuck around. Yep. Mm-hmm. They get to have mm-hmm. they they own the space. They get to go run in the kitchen. They get to do everything. And everybody's like, oh, isn't that so fucking cute? If that little black kid gets up and tries to do any of that shit. Parents escorted out the restaurant, police call, all kinds of shit's going on. Yep. And I really, I'm saying that because I need people to understand what we talk about um, when we talk about giving space to people. Yep. And what you don't understand, the, the conversations that Black parents have with their kids before we go in public spaces. In that car, don't ask for nothing, don't touch nothing, don't da-da-da-da. We get a whole list of shit not to do. Because... Society sees adultifies us at such early age that we have to act like adults when we're in public, mm-hmm. when, we're, when we're at church, when we're anywhere. We have to act like little adults, whereas little white kids get to be kids. Oh, let them be kids. Yes. Oh, Until they're like in their damn 70s. Because if I hear one more thing about Trump is going to learn from what as if he's some he's some kid, some boys will be boys and he'll learn from this. And I'm like, well, when the fuck do you not get the benefit of the doubt? <laughs> and it that's, it's so fun. I mean, my, <laughs> my parents were a little different um, as, as is totally, you know, possible. At the same time, I was a server for fifth, like 15 years. Mm. So I definitely remember little white kids yes. running around and like knocking into my legs and me almost spilling, you know, hot coffee on them and being like, Ugh. um, but also my parents had this like very strict policy of like, if either of you start acting up in public, one parent stays behind and pays. The other parent grabs <laughs> the kids and throws them in the car and we all go home and that's mm-hmm, it. Mm-hmm. Um, like, so yeah, we didn't act up very often. Not after my dad had to carry me out of the toy store by my belt once. Um, oh, wow. <laughs> okay. yeah. I, through a tantrum, apparently he said that was that was the only place to grab a hold of me was the the belt and just <laughs> okay. So that's funny because I remember my mom telling this story. I actually remember this happening. I was in a Sears department store, and I threw a tantrum 
in the middle of the Sears. It was Sears or Kmart. I can't remember. Okay. And I just threw a tantrum and my mom walks off and somebody was like, hey, lady, you're leaving your kid. My mom's like, no, I'm not. <laughs> and I <laughs> and I remember getting up, like cleaning my face and then walk, walking right behind her like, okay, this shit ain't working. <laughs> no, if you, didn't, if you didn't pick yourself up, you might not be able to follow her. Exactly. Now, nowadays that would be considered abandonment, child abandonment. But anyway, it did what it did. <laughs> I wasn't harmed by it. I got my little black ass up. I was like, okay, this shit ain't working for me. I probably saw some other kid doing it. And I was like, yeah, this shit ain't working for black families. These black parents ain't, these black parents ain't having this shit. <laughs> like the whole time out, that's a whole, let's, let's not digress, digress, but that's a whole nother thing. Time out. <laughs> the fuck is time out? <laughs> Who's, who has the time for time out? Who has go, time? Go sit in your corner. What the fuck? <laughs> Like, no, I'm going to yell at you for a bit. And that's what we're going to, that's how we're going to deal with this. <laughs> no, when you go in that room, you shutting all the lights off and you go in the fucking bed. That's what the fuck you're doing. <laughs> I'm not dealing with you at all. Just go to sleep. <laughs> all right. So I want to talk about post pre-diagnosis and post-diagnosis. If you were ADHD before 23, what was that like in not knowing it? Um, oh, but also I want, I did make a note. Mm. about i'm glad i'm glad you talked about the acting thing because i was in acting for i did acting for a while and if that's not manufactured anxiety i don't know what the hell is right (laughs) well and and like i use it all the time now in like professional context because i'm like yeah absolutely acting is just professional listening so that's what that's where that my skills come from is from acting um before before diagnosis what did my adhd look like uh well, I got pretty bad depression starting about 14. Um, I didn't get diagnosed for it, but 14 is when I knew something was wrong. I started to like do some work on that around around 20. Um, started like I was sick a lot as a kid, and so I really hated the idea of medication. And so at 20, I was like seeing a naturopath, and you know, doing. Uh, I tried every single diet I could I was like maybe it's maybe it's the gluten maybe the gluten makes me sad and that's what that <laughs> is and so yeah I tried everything under the sun to try and get my mood up because I just knew that this wasn't this wasn't it um and yeah that that was part of what the doctor mentioned when he finally got some of my results back he was like I'm amazed that you're even walking around it's uh so what happens with the little kid who's running around and throwing things or daydreaming is that no matter how ADHD you are, you will eventually start to learn some social rules and social behaviors, which is why an adult with ADHD is not running around the conference room throwing everyone's papers around, even though it's still ADHD, even though that's what they might've been doing when they were a kid, because you learn that that's not socially acceptable. That's not an outlet. You learn to just sit there and like click your pen over and over again, or, um, jiggle your leg or oh my God, play fidget, on your phone. Um, fidget spinners. <laughs> yeah. You learn, you learn other ways of getting that nervous energy out mm-hmm. um, or that, that hyperactive energy out because, because you're not six and you can't get away with running around the room mm-hmm. and throwing stuff anymore as an adult. Um, I well, do. Some think, of us can't. Most yes. of us can't. <laughs> Some of us can get away with it forever. <laughs> yes. Unfortunately. Yes. And they're wreaking havoc around the world. But go ahead. Absolutely. I think um, 
also as as a woman and some at that part of that was internalized. Those social behaviors were internalized very young. There was mm-hmm. a lot of, there were a lot of itchy dresses and mm-hmm. Sears family photo type scenarios or like just getting dressed up and sitting in your parents' friend's couch for three <laughs> hours while they talked Talk. about nothing. <laughs> And like no one could even put on a TV or anything to entertain a six-year-old for this time. You just got to sit there like a doll. Um, Mm -hmm. I was also always really, I was smart. I was quick. Mm -hmm. Um, In in my elementary school, uh, my teachers all had a habit of writing the homework on the board in the corner in the morning. So like once you finished your work that day, you could do your homework if you had extra time. Uh, I was pegged as a gifted student early on. So I had, went to that, you know, special classroom where I swear, I can't remember a single thing we did. I know that one day we were all practicing handstands in the gifted kids classroom. Uh, I, I don't know. It seemed like just time off from regular class is what it was in my experience. Cause I don't remember anything about it by like grade four, grade five. Um, I was in a really, my parents are diplomats. so. Uh, I grew up overseas from like age nine to age 14. And so there was a lot, again, a lot of behaving and a lot of being a little adult. Um, oh, yeah, 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 yeah. Being shown off. We, yeah. And also you, with a little bit of like, you know, like you're representing your country. Exactly. Kind yeah, of stuff. that's some pressure. Shit. <laughs> like, as you know, and, and I, I guess I'm lucky because out there, out in the world, people seem to really like Canada, um, which is where I'm from. So, uh-huh. uh, yeah, like the worst we ever got was like, are you American? You'd be like, no, Canadian. They'd be like, oh, Canada. It's great. That's like, and then they were happy. But um, yeah. So by 14, it, uh, I guess the <laughs> puberty and hormones and all that kind of stuff just kind of threw whatever balance I had found um, out of whack. Oh, out of whack. Oh, my God. That was that high school was the worst fucking time for me. Oh, I hated every goddamn minute. Is of that high we had just we had just moved <laughs> to a different place. Um, I so we had just moved from Zimbabwe to Romania. Um, and then at uh, after I turned 14, I moved in with my aunt and uncle back in Canada and went to high school in this like small town, all white high school, which was uh, like the smallest. This in my world suddenly became so small in a way that I had never really mm-hmm. imagined. Um, I did okay. I did okay as long as I was interested and as long as no one was being an asshole. Um, mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. But, like I had an asshole math teacher when I was 14 and almost failed that class. And math was always one of my best subjects, but I just hated that guy so much that I couldn't. My math teacher for seventh grade, my mom literally was like, yeah, we're not going. I was in a small Catholic school. She's like, and he was the only eighth grade teacher. She's like, oh, hell no, we're not doing this. Cause I already see (laughs) what the hell. And I perform, he had us in the smart group and the dumb group. And I was in the dumb group. Oh yeah. Oh yeah. Yeah. And it was all black school. He's a white dude in an all black school. Um, and so if you're not talking about white supremacy in that space, um, but I so get you because I would excel in, in, in classes where mm-hmm. the subject matter or the teacher was engaging anything else. I would actually make a calculated, yeah. okay, what do I need to make a C? <laughs> what I just need to see. That's all I need is a C. I just need a C to get out of this class. Yeah. And because I was so fast, I had gotten all the way to like high school and I'd never done homework. 
really, because I always did it in class. Mm. And um, all through middle school, I was in uh, this international school system where it's all uh, like by correspondence. So you had teachers, but they're teaching and your stuff is being sent off. Mm. So like you knew what was coming the whole career. Like, and also me and my best friend were really competitive for like who gets the best marks and stuff. So we were always doing way more work than we needed to. We, we broke into the teacher's lounge to steal a test not the answers, the test, the questions that would be on the test so we could study better. Like, yeah, this, this is the, <laughs> it was so, so nerdy. Um, <laughs> this is a hard way of passing the test. Right? <laughs> right? <laughs> like, what? And we we're like, so scared we were going to get caught. And I'm like, what would a teacher even say if they caught some, you know, some 13 year olds breaking into like, we just want to know what questions are going to be on the test so we could. Well, I can tell you if it was a black student, it was been a whole different experience, but that's nothing. Go ahead. <laughs> well, she was <laughs> my best. Oh, go- oh. All my, yeah, all, most of my friends were black when I was like uh, nine. Would you, was, would you have taken, would you have taken a hit? Cause they wouldn't have treated y'all the same Had Y'all got caught. <laughs> um, no, they probably wouldn't have. Uh, mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. And that's the thing I, I like people to understand. So I'm not being an ass when I do this, but I need people to understand that it, in certain situations, we're going to be treated differently. Absolutely. Yeah. And Absolutely. I'm, and I, so this is not for you per se. It's for the audience to understand when they're like, oh, my, my black friend or my um, Latinx friend doesn't. No, they trust me. They just ain't telling you about it. <laughs> She was, yeah, she was the first, uh, she actually kind of, she crystallized the concept of racism for me when I was mm. like nine years old in a way that it just had never, because I came from like a small town, a, a suburb outside of Ottawa, and I hadn't really met anyone. And I was nine and uh, she was the only other girl in my class. And so I was like, well, we're going to be friends. Um <laughs> Obviously, I was one of two white people in the class and the other white person was a boy and I was nine. And at, at age nine, I made a judgment call. I was like, there's there's one one girl or one white kid. I'm going to go with the girl. Um, that's going to be your friend. And uh, smart move, smart move. Yeah, it worked out for me. I, I, I did. <laughs> did. Um, so so you two nerds, um, nerds break in to get the get the get the questions, not the answers to the test. <laughs> questions. <laughs> but that is so that is that is so like that is so what a nerd would do though. <laughs> it's like, yeah, we thought we thought the answers was too far. I was like that's that's cheating. Like, I that's have not a line. I have yeah. a line. <laughs> but the questions that just then, then we can then we can work efficiently is <laughs> <laughs> so um so, so you're, so, yeah, I, I see so many parallels here. It is so funny to me and I haven't been diagnosed, but I've diagnosed myself. I definitely have. I'm like, yeah, totally. it is a lot of work to get a diagnosis. Yeah, yeah. It is really, really hard. And hell I'm 50 at this point. I'm like, you know what? I don't need it. Um, I, I've learned, I'm learning. I've learned my, the strategies I need to be successful. Uh, particularly when it comes to academics, like today, I was frustrated because I thought I, I thought something was gonna was 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 a start digging into it. It's the whole fucking alpha alphabet, and so I just threw my hands up like I'm gonna have to come back at this tomorrow because I just <laughs> <laughs> it just blew my whole day. I was like, this is not what I was planning to do. Mm-hmm. Um, so I've learned things that work for me. Um, I was also talking to another friend today, and he was like, 
Um, he fuck, he was somebody tweeted, fuck my feelings. I don't want to feel my feelings or something like that. I got shit to do. And I was like, <laughs> no, for me, I'm totally opposite. My feelings, my emotions are the true indicator of where I am emotionally mm-hmm. and physically. So as uncomfortable as some of these emotions are, I, I need to feel the full spectrum of them mm-hmm. so I can gauge where I am in my life. <laughs> Yeah. Um, and, 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 and disengaging from feelings is not healthy for me. That, that lead, that definitely leads down a path that is, that is not preferred for me or how I engage with other people. <laughs> mm-hmm. And, uh, emotions, emotion regulation and, uh, like emotional sensitivity, all of those are really, they're considered secondary symptoms of ADHD, but, uh, they are very, very strong. Yes indicators, uh, especially when they come with, uh, things like, you know, not being good with your words when you're having feelings or not having names for your feelings. And part of that is, part of that is also in the sort of genetic and then the parental factor of ADHD. So ADHD is, is highly genetic. Um, in fact, the only I think the only trait that is more genetic than ADHD is height. Oh shit! Okay, <laughs> like ADHD is somewhere in the like eighty percent, mm-hmm. as in uh, a parent with ADHD has an eighty percent chance of mm. passing on ADHD to each of their children. Um, someone once was like, "What if both parents have ADHD?" And I was like, "One hundred sixty, I guess." <laughs> Because one of the things that I notice, and it's, again, I can tell when I'm in a space where I can't, oh my God, this com- this conversation is so cathartic for me. Um, I can tell when I'm in a space where I'm either processing something or I'm in a, because the kitchen starts getting really messy. Mm. I can't wash dishes. Mm-hmm. I don't like eating in the house. I don't like cooking because I can't wash dishes. It's like the, and it's just that space, that whole, like the dishes pile up, but everything else around it is clean. <laughs> and it's or their piles of clothes mm-hmm. all over the place but as soon as I come out of that space I'm cleaning I'm just like boom 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 Every, <laughs> I, I'm like doing laundry I'm cleaning I mean it's just like this this thing but when I'm in it I have I, there's nothing that can and me and my dad used to live together before he passed away and that used to be a huge issue for us and it was a lot of anxiety mm-hmm. for me because I was trying to clean up behind myself and I just did not have it mm. Mm-hmm. to do, nor did I have the language to understand or to articulate what was mm-hmm. going on. Um, so I'm in this space where I don't have the focus or energy. I don't know what, I don't even know how to, what to call it to, to, to clean these things up, but I'm cleaning these things up because I don't want to be in these arguments. Mm-hmm. I don't want to be cause him anxiety. I'm sharing a space mm-hmm. with somebody kind of thing. Now that I live by myself, I just like, fuck it. It's, um, it's not, it's not like mm-hmm. it's dirty. It's just dishes that haven't gone into the dishwasher. I'm, uh, it's going to be good. I live here. I don't give a fuck. And then once I go through, made a decision or dealt with those emotions or whatever it is, made that decision. Um, it's usually a lot to do when, when I'm trying to decide on, um, on something academic or professional. I'm trying to work mm-hmm. out a problem. I don't have the headspace yep. to do that. Well, and it takes a lot. Uh, it, I mean, 
so we don't have a dishwasher. We do dishes by hand. However, uh, like the sound of silverware clinking and falling around in the sink really bothers me. So before I can do dishes, I have to go dig through the sink and pull out all of the silverware so that it's separate. And then I have to like empty the dish rack if there's any dishes in there. And then I have oh, to... Oh, emptying the dish rack is a pain in the ass. Yeah. Oh, shit. Because now I got to find... Put the shit back. Got oh. <laughs> that. Then I have to like you know because we put dishes in the sink. We also have to wash dishes in the sink. Yes, I've got to yes. take the dishes yes. out so that I can ha- put wash them in the right order to put them in the dish rack so that they're so not they falling try. all yes. over the place. So I don't try to catch a dish with soapy, watery. And I'm like, this the amount of steps it takes just to like get the dishes ready to be washed is enormous. I'm now ready to articulate and to publicly share my need to shift from causing a scene. Currently this work, this push for equity, for minimizing harm, and for prioritizing the most vulnerable, is collectively viewed by many as noise, bullying, troublemaking, as contrarian for controversy's sake, rather than what it is, a necessary evolution for the overall health and well-being of those who work for us, partner with us, buy from us, invest in us, and society as a whole. My focus from this day forward is to forge a path to welcoming and psychological safety in systems, institutions, and policies at scale because I will no longer put new wine into old wineskins. My team and I will be spending the next few months making the necessary changes to ensure that my new commitment to doing the proactive work of leading a movement framed by the guiding principles and seen through an anti-racist lens, strategically happens with a relaunch on Juneteenth. To be kept informed of our progress, please follow me on Twitter at K-I-M-C-R-A-Y-T-O-N-1, Kim Creighton 1, and on our new Kim Creighton's Community Cafe Discord server. When I started Hashtag Cause a Scene in 2019, it was out of my frustration that no one was listening. Now that you're listening, it's time to get to work. Thank you for the years of support, and I'll meet you on the other side. Have a wonderful day. Just to like get the dishes ready to be washed is enormous. I swear to me, I will know I have succeeded, that I that I have made a success out of Kim Creighton LLC and hashtag call the scene when I can bring somebody in to weekly clean my, my kitchen. That That to me is just like, that's it. I'm I'm here. When I can do that and because that is a mental stressor, anxiety that I don't need. Yeah. <laughs> I can hand that off to somebody else. <laughs> and as women, we're taught that that should be some shame in that. Mm-hmm. You know, we have these ro- and I'm like, fuck that. No. <laughs> this is something I've never liked to do. It causes me, I have to sit there and just like stare at it and just like, uh, and get yep. in and, and, and rev myself. There's so much prep to even get it done. Mm-hmm. If I just paid somebody to do that, that would be so much less on my plate. And it's so simple. It is. Uh, like my husband and I have now worked out a thing where he asks me, I'm like, if it's my turn to do dishes, if you're coming home late or like, we just, we need them done. Mm -hmm. Just ask me to do dishes. Just send me a text message and I'll get them done because just the act of him asking me then makes me like externally accountable. Yes. And also, um, 
sort of motivates me in a different way. Like I'm like, oh, I don't really want to wash dishes for me. But if it's important yes. to you right now yes. that I do it, that's not a problem. I can get it And it's it done. so funny when someone stand with me or when I'm staying with somebody else, I don't even think about it. I wash the dishes. It's so easy. It is just yeah. like, it's, but when I'm here by myself or it's, if, if I, it's, oh yeah, it's, it's, if I'm staying at someone's house, as soon as I finish something, I wash it. Mm-hmm. I'll start that. Just like we were talking about these, these apps or whatever. I'll start that. I was like, okay, as long as just wash the dish after you use it, just wash the dish after you use it. And I'll do that for a few days. And the next thing I know that pile is, I'm like, oh, fuck, how do we get back here? <laughs> and it happens so fast. Yes. <laughs> it's like, you know, you're like, but I just washed dishes. I just did this shit. I just did it. Like, I, and someone's like, yeah, you got to do them every day. I'm like, every day. Who's got time to do dishes every, every day? day. Have, you, have you seen the process that I need to go through just to do dishes the one time? I've got little like little stations. I got it. No. Exactly. <laughs> oh, wow. That is huge. That, but that is so important. And, and, and that's so true. Because mm-hmm. That is, that is, it is. And so, and so thank you for having this honest conversation because there's so many things that I've just, again, I've just learned to manage, but yeah. didn't have a word for why the fuck it was going on in the first place. <laughs> yeah. The one that resonates a lot with people is executive function. Um, so executive function is, the way I remember it is like executive function, executive assistant. Um, so executive function is sort of like the frontal part of your brain. And it's the part of your brain that decides like the order of importance of things or the order of execution. And for most people, this happens at a subconscious level, right? You talk to someone who's neurotypical and you tell them, go clean your room and they just go clean the room. I have to, I'm 33 years old. I've been cleaning my room for many, many years now. And I still have to like walk into the room and look around and cognitively be like, okay, laundry. I have to pick up laundry first. And then, then I got to clean up that, that shit on the nightstand. Mm-hmm. Um, but if I'm going to pick up laundry, I should put that in the, in the laundry. So then I can do that. Mm-hmm. And then I can do this and then I can make the bed and then I can sweep and I have to decide the order of things. And, and, and not only order things, I have to time box it. Yeah. <laughs> How long is that going to take? I don't know. And, and, and I, no, but I time box it. I'll say, I'll give myself 15 minutes and then I'm taking 45 minutes off. And then I'm, and I put a timer and then I'll give myself mm-hmm. 15 minutes and then I'm taking 45 minutes off. <laughs> yeah. So I was talking to a, 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 I was talking to a parent once and she was saying like, we're having such problems getting our kid to clean his room, our ADHD kid, our, our ADHD kid. What do we do? And I was like, well, first of all, you got to make a list of what, what does cleaning your room mean? Because clean your room is such an abstract concept. Mm-hmm. So I was like, <gasps> clean the room with him and then take pictures of what a clean room looks like. And then like print those pictures out, laminate it, stick it on the inside of a closet door and put a list next to it of what are the steps to cleaning a room, right? Pick up the laundry, do this, make the bed, do that, mm-hmm. blah, 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 blah. And so that way he's got a ballpark. He can look at the pictures, look at his room and be like, okay, doesn't match. <laughs> and he's got a list of the steps. And so he doesn't mm-hmm, have to mm-hmm. stand there and try to think of them and not lose track or get distracted or forget halfway through. Because that's one of the other things with ADHD is that constant fear of forgetting that I talk about like how you constantly feel like things are just falling out of your brain. Oh, and you can't sleep. That's one thing. That's one reason I have anxiety, um, insomnia. I can't sleep because I'm thinking I'll have a thought 
And if I don't get up and immediately write it down or something, that thought is it re- repeating in its, my head all night so that I won't, when I get up, I won't remember, forget it. Or there's something that happens. But I remember being a child and my mom, in my room just being a hot mess. And my mom would say, clean it. And, and I guess at some point she just gave up and just like, just close the door. Because I was just like, <laughs> I don't know what this is. I mean, it was, I, I would wa- be literally walking in a sea of clothes. There would be mm-hmm. nothing in the drawers. Everything would be on the floor. It'd be clean. And I know what was clean and what was dirty. Yep. Um, and and I, at the time, I, I didn't give a shit about, I was such a tomboy. I'm like, I, even that t- term is assholish. But I, was, uh, I didn't care about, I wasn't about big ironing. What the fuck am I ironing this shit for? I'm going out to play, you know? <laughs> Who irons? Yeah. Oh my God. So I remember, <laughs> me and my mom were having this conversation um, earlier last week or something like that because she was like, I would send you, my mom was never good with doing girl's hair at all. All, I had a permanent part down the middle of my head because all she could do was two plaits, two braids. (laughs) Not even braids, I'm going to say plaits because the plaits is is different from braids. So Mm -hmm. she could do two plaits and she's like, you would come home and you look like you've been through the wars. (laughs) (laughs) I had, you know, the, the Catholic school jumper that had the, the, the top, the, the, the top part connects to the skirt. Okay. So that you so it wasn't like just the skirt because that was mm-hmm. high school. You couldn't just have high school was just a skirt, but the jumper. And mm-hmm. there was like it was I, I remember this and there was a yellow shirt that was underneath. And she's like, your shirt would be coming out the sides. And I was like, how the hell is the shirt coming out the side of your jumper? And she's like, every time I got home, my hair was and she was like, What did you do? Nothing. I just <laughs> I could there is nothing I could think of that would cause me to leave the house that morning and come back that evening and look like that. <laughs> nothing. It, that was just happened. my day. <laughs> it was not like I did anything. I wasn't in a fight. I was nothing. That was just how I looked at the end of each day. <laughs> and I'm like, I'm like, yeah, was there a tag on the inside seam of your shirt <laughs> that was itchy? Because then that makes sense to me. <laughs> No, it wasn't even that. No, it was not. It was just, I looked like I had been playing real hard. And I don't recall. It was just me <laughs> having a day. Because my mom's like, how is your hair looking like? It, it would be, oh my God, it would just be bad. And I, I was like, I, I, don't, I didn't do anything. It's just like, what did you do? Nothing. I just went to school. What are you talking about? <laughs> But the before and afters, it reminded me, I guess what's so funny to me is I've seen this past, was the first time I really saw this past first day of school. And they showed uh, all those on social media, those pictures of those little kids who would go with looking and then how they came home and those parents like, what the hell happened to you? That was me every single day. (laughs) (laughs) Wow. This conversation has been cathartic. I'm, I'm I'm seriously thinking, no, I'm not about to diagnose this, fuck all that. <laughs> but I, I need to really, I, I do, when I just, just, again, as a special ed teacher, um, we don't talk about it as an adult. So I never even saw my behaviors in my students. Mm-hmm. It was never even a thought to see, hey, y'all doing the same kind of thing. <laughs> um, so I'm really, so for those people like me who are, who are, interested in learning more what can we do what can how can we better manage this um there's there's a really good community that's popped up on twitter in the past couple years um which is really great when i 
first started talking about ADHD on Twitter, it was, it was like nothing. It was like a desert. There was just the odd, you know, article about sugar causing ADHD. Mm-hmm. Um, Twitter is good. Jess, uh, and on Twitter, uh, Renee, black girl lost keys is doing some fantastic work. She's, uh, she writes blog posts. She hosts all kinds of discussion. Um, and, she's yeah she's great um jessica on youtube does uh how to adhd channel hers is really good and uh i also like there's a couple of artists that i really like danny donovan and uh, pina who's adhd alien both do comics about adhd that are just like really fun and heartwarming um and so cool. I'm, I'm 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 following Renee because of you. I I just I just like I'm like that name sounded familiar. So I'll make sure we get those resources in the um in your episode so we can mm-hmm. have those links in there. Um because yeah, this is this is new for me. Just to show, I mean, you said you were 23. I'm mm-hmm. again as I say I'm 50 and I'm just like, okay, this is what the hell this shit is. <laughs> Yeah. And like I said, it is, it's tough to get a diagnosis. It's a lot easier if you have a family member with a diagnosis. Oh, and I'm a, I'm come from a black family. I ain't no way in here. None of them going to say they got ADHD. <laughs> ain't no way in here. My dad's dead and my mom, no, that ain't going to happen. So I'm good. <laughs> yeah. yeah. They ain't going to happen. Yeah. I don't need it. And so that's, that's for me. I don't need a diagnosis because I know what the hell it is. I just need to better manage it. That seems to be like, and that seems to be a huge relief for a lot of people too, is just to have a name and just something that you can Mm -hmm. point to, because without it, you end up thinking that you're just, well, you think you're lazy and you think Mm -hmm. you're a terrible person. That's what my dad used to call me all the time, lazy. And I'm like, no, I'm not lazy. And and it goes back to what were you talking about? When it's something I want to do, I'm just like, I'm Mm hyper-focused on it. Um, Just like my start of my research about Adam Smith. Oh my God. I am just going boom, boom, boom the father of economics. I am loving this work. <laughs> um, but when it comes to those dishes in the sink, it's like, uh, no. <laughs> yep. Too many steps, too so boring. What would you like- <laughs> yeah, was- <laughs> oh my God. <laughs> so what would you like to say in your closing thoughts? Oh God. I- I'm not sure if we really got to the tech side of things, ADHD and tech. Um- <laughs> Oh, is there something? Spe- Let's talk about that before we leave. What's, we can go a little longer. What's specific about ADHD and tech you want to talk about? Um, I think for a lot of ADHD brains, tech really makes sense. I've done I've done some some coding and programming, and I've worked in tech off and on, and with a lot of like tech minded people. And the rules for working with technology, and specifically for working with computers, are clear. In that there's like a certain way that computers understand things, and if you don't do things in that way, then the computer doesn't understand it and stuff doesn't compile and stuff doesn't work. Um, And I think just even that is very similar for ADHD brains and the rules are clear enough to understand. And it doesn't, they don't often come with all of the factors that come with social situations that can disrupt things. You know, if something isn't working, it's not working for a reason. And the reason is somewhere here in front of me in this thing that I'm making or this thing that I'm working that's with. That's interesting because I think that's a huge problem in tech though. Oh, absolutely. Because, <laughs> because the default is very binary mm-hmm. um, and no one wants to talk about those social issues that are causing you to create this binary thing 
that it has to work that way because that's your perspective and it working that way causes harm for other people. Mm-hmm. And so that's an interesting perspective um, of how to have those conversations with those individuals with, yes, I understand it makes it more comfortable for you. Mm-hmm. Um, and yet your comfort is not the priority here. <laughs> um, um, and we have to figure out a way to um, ensure that the things we are creating aren't creating barriers for other people. Absolutely. Yeah, Absolutely. that's interesting. Yeah, that's a great point. That is a great point because that is that people think, you know, what you put in is what you put out. And as a social scientist, I understand that's not true. <laughs> not at the same time, ADHD people tend to, uh, people with ADHD tend to have a certain disregard um, it depends. It can kind of go one of two ways. You can either be like become like really rooted in tradition and sometimes in those binary thoughts, like this is the way it's always been. This is the way it's got to be mm-hmm. because because of the anxiety that comes with the unknown, right? Mm-hmm. You kind of get locked in that. Or you can also yes. become just yes. really yes. open-minded mm-hmm. and sort of have a certain disregard for tradition. Because if you show up in your sort of systems and process minded as someone who has ADHD and you see a process that's not working or that takes too many steps and you see a way that you, that's better or easier or faster, you're like, why would I care that we've done it this way for 20 years? It's, it's wrong. Oh, we're, we are, we are great strategy. That's one reason I'm glad. Oh my God. I'm so happy. That's why strategy is my thing. That's why I can see the forest and the trees. I'm a big person. I'm big Mm -hmm. thing. I can see the big picture and the, the 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 the, the minutia of it, and I'm I I will do mm-hmm. a strategy in a heartbeat. When I have used to get like my special needs students, I would do little tasks like, okay, let's we there's a teacher needed some packets done. Okay, let's 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 figure out how to do, get these packets, and they'll be their assignments. And by the time we're finished, we got an assembly line. We have figured out a system for making this the quickest, most efficient mm-hmm. way to do this, so that they were learning. And that's just something how my brain just normal. I mean, I easily see something. I'm like, okay, I could do that differently okay and, and then I do it mm-hmm. a few times their way and then I and then by the time I'm done I've done it more efficiently and this is why inclusion and diversity is bedrock to businesses because in the knowledge economy you need my more efficient and effective way that I've created for you as a business leader to be able to be competitive and and and, and um and differentiate and innovate because now I've come up with I've, I've improved your system but if I don't feel safe right. to share that with you yeah. you don't know that and you can you can go ah, you can go both ways yes. you can go either way depending on the situation or what's more comfortable or what just works better for you but you'll find ADHD people of either variety in either situation all the time. So it's, it's interesting because it's not as simple as the image that we often have of it. And it, it, again, it goes to, we're always, we're again, that binary, we're not, there's no binary answer to this. And we're always trying to look and when we're talking about computers, we keep thinking that there's, yes, there is ones and zeros. We get that, but that's a computer. Um, the fact that someone decided that ones and zeros will be the default of that is a decision. Um, and so all those decisions came from humans and humans are mm-hmm. human. <laughs> yeah. It's not like, it's not like computers are aliens. It's not like they showed up on this world and they only speak yes. ones and zeros and we've had to learn how to work with yes. them. Someone made a computer. Yes. Someone decided that's how it talks. That's, that's, yes. that's yes. the whole thing. Oh, this is good. I might have to bring you back. This has been a really interesting conversation because I'm now like, I'm in, I'm in, I'm in pseudo therapy here. All right. So <laughs> 
what would you like to say in your closing moments? <laughs> I, I don't know. I feel like I think I, I said everything I wanted to. Yeah, I'm good. Okay. And so I'm glad we, we did bring in the, you got to say what you wanted to say about tech and ADHD. Cause I'm, I needed to hear that. I, I'm going to have some, okay. So let's just let you know, I'm not going to be able to sleep tonight. Okay. I'm going to be processing all of this in my head. <laughs> So thank you, Aaron. Thanks You're a lot. Welcome, <laughs> I think. <laughs> no, thank you so much because it answers so many questions for me. But it, but even in answering questions, it brings up so many more questions. Um, yeah. <laughs> so see. thank you so much for um, for being a guest on the show. Thank you for having me. Have a great day. You too. All right. Thank you for listening to this week's episode of the Hashtag Call the Scene podcast. And I'd like to thank all our current sponsors of the podcast and the Hashtag Call the Scene movement. Of course, we strongly encourage everyone to become an individual sponsor of the Hashtag Call the Scene community. Just visit the website at HashtagCallTheScene.com to sign up today. On behalf of everyone here at Hashtag Call the Scene, we'd like to thank you again for listening to today's show and have a wonderful day.